Good afternoon, everybody. This is Daniel from No Pain, No Spain, coming to you on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, it's about to rain again, which is good, which is good for a city like Barcelona. Rain does it good because it rarely, rarely rains as it should rain in here. I spoke about the Barcelona rain yesterday. I'm not going to go through it again. I know I repeat myself like a motherfucker, but not this time. Anyways, it's about to rain, the weather's good. Uh, just got off, I'm chilling with my dog. And I want to bring you another episode of extraordinary people that I've met in my life. And today I want to introduce to you uh, a person who is already dead. He passed away, I believe in 2014 on uh, I'm not, I, I, we lost track of him, but um, I think he died of a heroin overdose. And if not, he died uh, of uh, withdrawal symptoms. His name was Luis Leal, and he was Portuguese. And he was at least 10, maybe a little bit more years older than we were at that time. Uh, Luis was a very special person, and let me tell you why. First of all, he came from tremendously humble origins. I mean, tremendously humble. He, uh, he came from a village in Portugal called Caldas da Rainha. Uh, and from the poorest side of that little village. So, um, this is how we met him. So, my, uh, we had a, I had a group of friends in Mozambique. This was probably 1980. 87, 88, around that time, before 1990, somewhere before 1990, it was the 80s, uh, mid to late 80s, so uh, we, uh, my friends and I had a band called the Mozarts, there's nothing online on them, we were pretty popular, uh, and we really believed ourselves to be rock stars, but we had a group of followers and a group of close friends who were, were always together. Uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Avenida Frederick Angels in Mozambique, which was also known as El Mirador. So we used to hang out there, smoke our joints, have our beers, and listen to music, talk about music, play music. And uh, that's, that's where, that was our chilling uh, point. Okay, so one, one day as we sat there peacefully, probably hiding from the cops because they used to come at us all the time for smoking pot and scared the living shit out of us. Uh, a guy in a motorcycle showed up. Small guy and he had one physical particularity. Which is why I say he's, he's so special. Uh, Luis was a hunchback. Serious hunchback. Not like walking all twisted. No, no. He had a serious, serious hunchback. Uh, tremendously visible and obviously tremendously humiliating throughout his life. Nevertheless, he managed to become an extrovert in a little in his own way. And uh, well, uh, he just came to us. He parked his motorbike and came to us and said, hey guys, what's up? What are you doing in a town like this? He had just come from Portugal. He was uh, a mechanic of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, of big diesel machines in factories 
and he was first thing that surprised us was that I mean we must have been 18 17 18 and he was in his near 30s so we were all a little skeptical about him we're like yeah what what the fuck man nevertheless he fitted right in he he became a very good friend he was uh, somehow unable to uh, to keep relationships with people his age because of his condition i don't know it was very hard but luis was a unbelievably sensitive guy and he he had the intelligence of uh, well he he'd never been to school not for a day ever ever everything he learned was from um, from seeing things and from um, from learning how to do them on his own and he was a tremendously handy guy I remember being in his place well before we get there uh, he well we, we all lived with our parents by that time and so he proposed hey why don't we make our meeting joint in his place because he lived alone he had a stereo and things so he took us to his home and we were still skeptical that first day because um, you know oh, a lot of pedophiles are there. not that we cared not a those times were not <laughs> the same as today. I mean, we would have kicked his ass so bad. But anyways, we, we went there with the promise of booze and dope and good music. And he kept his fucking promise because he had great fucking music. And he introduced me to bands like Joe Jackson, uh, he um, like uh, Jethro Tull, um, Talking Heads. Well, I already knew Talking Heads, but he really got me into it because he, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember wrong, he worked at the Talking Heads yacht for a while. He was the mechanic of the Talking Heads yacht in the late 70s or something. Uh, extraordinary guy, extraordinary guy. So we, 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 we all went to his house and the house was, it, it was a room, just a room, uh, maybe a 40, 50 square feet room with a bathroom and a little kitchenette but highly deteriorated but extremely clean and all he had was a mattress on the floor and everything else was on the floor his stereo his uh, video cassette recorder and his tv and i remember his uh, his video cassette recorder was all uh dismounted because he had uh, he had come into the curiosity into how it worked so he pulled it all out put it apart and then put it back together and it worked anyway so we spent that day with him we had fun we got high as fuck we listened to uh big world by joe jackson man what an album what a fucking album that is god damn it if you haven't heard it go ahead and do it please and uh, so we, we said goodbye and blah 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 but then the next day he was with us he came to his house and shortly uh, thereafter his home became the meeting point for all of us but as in places in Mozambique where there's n there were not at that time not a lot of places to go there were no bars no cafes no cafeterias no nothing remember this is a Mozambique a communist Mozambique in the 80s and there was absolutely nothing to do nothing so uh, his home became pretty popular before we knew it a lot of guys started showing up and so obviously we didn't fit 
some of us uh, stopped going because it was just too crowded and the people were there started getting too weird and uh, and even then well some adults became uh, usuals there and we didn't feel too comfortable about it but somehow throughout time he managed to get rid of the adults and bring us back to his home and uh, and then another character dropped in so this podcast is going to be not only about Luis because you cannot separate Luis from Carlos otherwise known as Carlitos okay he was also older than we were not as much as Luis but probably at least five years older and we all knew of him because he was pretty famous at that time he was uh, the most famous uh, parachuter in Mozambique he was uh, when I spoke to him, well, everyone knew he had over 5,000 jumps and that he had been to the Soviet Union to train the army and he had been to Sweden in competitions. He was a badass motherfucking parachuter. Badass. And he had a lot of future in it. Okay, so he was uh, a member of the area club in Mozambique. Well, pretty interesting guy, but tremendously shy because... Uh, most of all because he, he, his face was completely dis, disfigured by acne and uh, but really, really, really bad. And, well, that, that created a little bit of a hassle for him to relate to other people because he was very self-conscious about it. So he began showing up to Luigi's house and because of the closeness of the age, well, they became well, better friends between them than we could ever be with them, right? So, um, well, yeah, obviously, you know where this story is going. Eventually, uh, in, uh, drugs started appearing in, the, in his house. Uh, not the regular drugs, not dope, but cocaine and pills and mandrax and, most importantly, heroin. And um, so before we knew it, Luis and Carlitos had gone hardcore on heroin. Uh, during that time, there was another, another, sorry, I have to talk to my dog. Perdona. <laughs> um, there was another character. I mean, this story gets getting more complex. There was, uh, I, I, I said Carlitos' name because he's also dead. But the name I'm going to give now is fake because he's very much alive. But there was another person who we're going to call him Gonzalo. Okay, he was of Chilean origin because up to now, Carlitos and Luis uh, were Portuguese. Actually, Carlitos was Mozambican, but he was white and Portuguese origin. But uh, Gonzalo was of Chilean and Swedish origin. So he's... he's <laughs> never knew. I think his father was Chilean and his mother was uh, Swedish. But his mother looked like a Chilean because I never knew his father but I knew her mother and although she had a Swedish name I'm sorry Norwegian apologize apologize Norwegian name she looked very much Chilean anyways he was also another another special guy he was younger than we were but that motherfucker could drink like you've never seen anyone drink before and that's what got him into a special place with uh, Luis and Carlitos 
years later, this is a, a parenthesis, years, years later, while I was in, I went to Norway and I met Gonzalo and uh, I met him there. We had a couple of beers together and he said that he, he, he came from his grandmother's uh, home and uh, well, you know, I saw him. He was pretty, a pretty big guy, hefty, you know, strong, good looking. <laughs> so I, I don't know, I had the image of his grandmother kind of, you know, all sweet, Norwegian and things. But then he told me the story of his mother. His grandmother was a sailor and uh, apparently a heavy duty fucking sailor too. So uh, he, he said that his grandmother had a tattoo in, his, in her inner lip, in the under, in, in the, un, you know, in the, behind the lip, inside the mouth, a tattoo that was like the passcode into a bar that only certain people could go in Maracaibo, some really dark place. Anyways, just a parenthesis, just to know how crazy people can get, <clears throat> the craziness of people I've met. Well, anyways, Gonzalo became closer to them because of his drinking abilities. Because you know, Luis and Carlitos were, other than good drug consumers, they could also drink their ads off. So Gonzalo became a regular too. And uh, so, but he never touched heroin as far as I'm, as far as I know. No, 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 I don't think so. But, mm, well, anyways, uh, Luis changed his motorbike for a worn out Honda. And one of the stories, because one day I think uh, I always used to come to his place and see the Honda. It was his reference, you know, the, being the Honda parked below his home. That would mean he would be home. So one day the Honda was not there, but I saw him on his little tiny ass balcony. And then I came up and what the fuck happened? Well, the Honda was totaled because apparently the night before they had gone drinking with some uh, prostitutes, some Mozambican prostitutes, uh, Luis, Gonzalo, and the girls. Apparently there were five girls, so we're talking about seven people inside a Honda Civic. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen a Honda Civic, but it's hard enough to fit three or four, <laughs> much the less seven. And uh, so they were trying to find a specific house to where to continue the party. And, and Camille... So the... the so as they were driving, Gonzalo was telling him where to go. Suddenly, Luis dozed off. And Gonzalo was in the passenger seat. So as, uh, as, he, as he saw that Luis dozed off, he tried to reach for the steering wheel, pulled the car and drove it into a light post and totaled the car completely. Luckily, nobody was hurt. But that was the end of the car. And that was the end of... Well, that was the beginning of the end of Luis. There's another side story to this. Before I enter the, the downfall for Luis, is that uh, Gonzalo, he... <laughs> this is a, this, I don't know how to tell this story because it's pretty funny. Well, he, 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 he's, he was probably, he is younger than I am so he's at that time he must have been 16 15 16 and while we were at a party once he showed up you know he was pretty drunk he was a big guy even then he was pretty drunk but he could keep his alcohol and so and after he showed up his 10th grade teacher 
showed up. And we were all like, oh, shit. You know, fuck, a teacher here. So you know how that is. Kind of weird. And the teacher went to uh, Gonzalo, sat on his lap and kissed him on the lips and said goodbye, hello to everyone. And we were all like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, the teacher was in her early 30s, late 20s, early 30s. And Gonzalo was probably 17 or 18. So that's the kind of guy. And just for the record, they kept it together for many, many, many years. Okay, there, it was not a, it was not a thing that happened just there and then. But Gonzalo, I think her name was Mary. They kept it together for many, many years. It was true love. I mean, Gonzalo was a pretty mature guy, and a very special guy. And uh, he started disappearing around that time when he started dating. He, he's uh, his tenth grade teacher. Uh, can you fucking believe how jealous we were? You have no idea how jealous we were. We, that's every boy's dream. And, and, and this motherfucker did it. Not only did it, but, you know, the, the girl was crazy for him. I mean, crazy. You know, granted, the times were different. I mean, if you did that today, you'd be so fucked. So fucked. But in those days, any Mozambique, nah. But anyways, coming back to Luis. So the car crashed. And... Uh, so that day I came up and I had seen him in the balcony minutes before I came up and so I went up the stairs it was a, the building he lived in was a ghetto by the way a true 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 ghetto scary as fuck so I came into his home which the door was always open always open there was nothing to steal there what are you going to steal a, uh, <laughs> a fucked up dismounted DVD and a, a TV that wasn't worth probably a pack of cigarettes, so it was always open. Actually, every home in Mozambique was open at that time at all times. I came in and he was lying in bed, all twirled up and in a fetal position, which felt really bad for him, really, really bad for him. I, before I knew what was going on, but only his image, you know, because he, um, you know, his hunchback and his whole situation. Uh, I didn't. I didn't mention it, but he also had a speech impediment, so it was pretty difficult to understand what he was saying. I remember when uh, he had lived in the Azores Islands for some years, and when he told us that story, it took us ten minutes to understand that he was saying the Azores because he used to say Azores, 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 Azores. It took us like ten minutes. He had to. Motherfucking specify, you know, the islands in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, you motherfucker. Yeah, so we finally understood him. So as I saw him laying there, you know, in a fetal position and sweating without it, oh, he was he was in underwear. So the, the image was even more pathetic and more humiliating. And so in my ignorance, because I, I was I was pretty ignorant at that time about drugs and drug effects. Well, not ignorant, but you know didn't know exactly what was going on so I asked him dude are you okay man is there anything I can do and he he was drinking straight from a tequila bottle straight I mean like if it was water first of all I thought it was water you know by, by the way he drank it until well the smell came to me and it was just tequila and so he he said he didn't have any money and he was uh, he was going through the withdrawal process of heroin and he needed to get heroin really bad if I could help him 
So um, I had a motorbike at that time. And so I did help him. But then I went to this unbelievably shabby, dangerous places in Mozambique and got him what he wanted, came back, and he was the happiest man in the universe. And then Carlito showed up about half an hour later, and he was going through withdrawal too. So he, since I had gotten enough heroin for, for a while, because during those days heroin was pretty, pretty cheap in Mozambique, so there was heroin for everyone. And the, mu the mood changed really quick inside that place, and everybody was happy and everybody. But, but Luis began, you know, maybe the emotional impact that caused him the whole first withdrawal strong withdrawal that he had gone through started he start, he, he got really emotional so he told me and, uh, and Carlitos a little bit of his life story and man that's one of the saddest things you've ever heard in your life I mean so uh, just long story short uh, he never knew his mother and his father was uh, tremendously embarrassed of him and he used to hide him well they lived in this incredibly poor poor neighborhood, poor village. I mean, I believe he said they didn't have any running water until he very, very late in his life. So then he didn't know what uh, cement floor was until also very late in his life. But apparently his father used to beat him up with sticks and until he bled. And yes, he had, he had scars in his back, really bad scars. I associated them with that and so and uh, he was, well, as I said, about 30 years old, and he had never been in love with anybody. Actually, yes, he had been in love, but he never felt reciprocated because he never, you know, it's a very, very, very sad story, man. I mean, I, I remember that afternoon because it was very special. Uh, me and Carlitos and him sitting in his, uh, in his uh, mattress in his apartment and him telling this story and telling it natural you know like if like you know this is a normal thing that happens to everyone this happened to me so and then carlitos and i who more or less well more me than him but we came from regular families and not so fucked up families and it broke our hearts till this day i mean i remember that afternoon and it still breaks my heart that Maybe, I, you know, I, I lose track of time, but if it was not that same evening, it was probably an evening very soon after that, that uh, I was called at home and we said we're all meeting at Luis's house and uh, we're going to have fun, so join us. So I went there at home and there was a lot of people there. Among them was another girl who also died of heroin overdose. Sorry, I'm bringing up so many dead people, but I do have a lot of them in my life. And uh, her name was Susana. And she also came from uh, very humble origins and had a very, very, very sad life. And I didn't know much about her, but when I've known of her, you know, Mozambique, Maputo being a very small society, you know of everyone. And everybody knows of everyone. So, and so a lot of people were there and I remember I, I got to a point where I needed to sit down because I had been drinking too much and 
I was standing and it was so hot inside their apartment, so, 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 so hot. And I needed to sit down, so I struggled through the... I, I, imagine, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 people in, in, in a room. In a room. Probably the size of the room you sleep in. And so I, I, I struggled through the people and I found like a little corner next to the balcony door which also led to the bathroom so i sat there i had the breeze coming in from the balcony which is a relief and i just stayed there listening to music hearing them chat and uh just hanging there until uh susanna came towards me and said hey, I need to go to the bathroom can you let me through so I moved so she went into the bathroom and so we all well things continue we started to continue talking and listening to music and blah 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 and this and that and uh, I had forgotten about Susanna completely now I don't know how long it went by but as far as I remember remember this is 30 years ago or more <laughs> I'm guessing about half an hour, 40 minutes went by and I was still sitting there enjoying the breeze coming in from the balcony when suddenly from the bathroom the door opens just a little bit and Susanna you know, sticks his, her, her face out and says, dude, can you please help me? I thought she had fallen, I thought she had, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know, I even thought she wanted to have sex with me, that's how stupid I was, I still am. You know, so I said, yeah, fuck it. So, I pushed the door and I went inside and the scene that I was confronted with was uh, out of a fucking Tarantino movie. So she had tried to, uh, to inject some heroin, okay? And she was pretty shaky, she had withdrawal symptoms, she was pretty nervous. And somehow she had not been able to find her a vein. In which to shoot the dose offs but she had managed to puncture herself so badly out of every part of her body she was half naked by the way and so she was dripping blood from everywhere and I came in and I froze I completely froze because I didn't have time to even think she said can you help me please dude help me so I came in I closed the door and when I turned and I looked at her I, I was too late to go out <laughs> to run away I'm like fuck so she said dude I need to inject I'm, I'm dying here please help me it probably took me about 10 seconds to come back to myself or even more and I remember telling her I will help you but you have to take a shower I'm not touching you that way I am not even getting close to you all dripping blood so she took all her clothes off and um, she went into the shower, she had a shower, I just sat in the toilet there waiting. And she came out, she laid on the floor. Well, I'm sorry, she sat on the floor, because the bathroom, also this bathroom, if the, if, the, if the apartment was minuscule, the bathroom, we used to say it's the only bathroom that we know of that you can take a shit, brush your teeth, and have a shower without moving from the same place. So. When she came, when she finally clear, cleaned all her blood and stuff, she sat next to me and, well, we began. I must have spent 20 minutes to half an hour looking for, for a vein. And I finally found it. 
in between her toes and her left or right foot, I don't remember. So the, the moment I injected her, she only managed to say thank you. She passed out. I made sure she was breathing. I made sure she was okay. I put some clothes on top of her. Went outside, sat, sat next to the door and waited until she woke up, which was a couple of hours later. So that was my way of making sure that nothing happened to her. So every, I remember every 20 minutes I used to go in, check on her, she was breathing, she was fine. And that night I did something I've never done before or after. This is very stupid. But when she cleared her mind and she finally came out, most people had left already. So it was just me, Carlitos, and Luis, someone else, I don't remember who. And we were talking about tattoos because I had just gotten my first tattoo in South Africa. And so we're talking about tattoos. So she was really, really, really thankful for my help and everything. She said, listen, do I want you to mark me for this day? And so we got some needles, we sterilized them, we got some ink, and I tattooed her breast, her left breast, with a little triangle. So that's just an anecdote anyways. That's the kind of things that happened in those days in Mozambique. So uh, Luis, after that night, well, he began acting more erratically. He was really into drugs. I began drinking too much until one day he um, came to my house, which he never ever did because he was embarrassed of my parents. You know, he had this uh, paternalistic uh, thing. He used to be so respectful and, 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 and he was kind of embarrassed that he was a friend of mine and me being so young and him being so old. So he never came to my house. But that day uh, the, the guard told us, hey, dude, there's a guy in the door who wants to speak to you. So I went out, it was Luis, I had him in. Um, I think I introduced him to my dad. Uh, I think he ate something or drank something with us. And then we went to my room in which he said that he had to, uh, he had to leave, that he was in such a bad shape that he had to, you know, he had been fired from his work and uh, he had been given a little bit of money and he was going back to uh, Portugal to, uh, to enter a rehab clinic or something of the sort. Uh, and I believe that's the last time I ever saw him because he left pretty soon afterwards pretty pretty soon but I kept knowing of him through friends who went and came in Mozambique and, and um, during the time everyone told me that he was fucked up living in the streets uh, still hooked up to heroin and completely destroyed. But then the news started changing that he had gone to his village, to Caldas da Rainha, and he had somehow managed to get clean. And just when he got clean, he passed away. And if there is a sad story, that's it. This guy's life was tremendously miserable and so much... Um, so much lacking of love, of, 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 of companionship. Uh, if, if only he wouldn't have had that hunchback or that speech impediment. He was such an extraordinary guy, unbelievably an extraordinary guy. 
then he's no longer with us. Carlitos, with him, somehow I, uh, his mother, I always kept coming across her in the streets in Maputo and she was, she was always telling me how Carlitos was. He had also gone to Portugal because Carlitos' situation was completely different. He, um, his mother was not even middle class, but they weren't starving or anything. They, 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 she was uh, a lawyer, I think, a little league lawyer or something. So they had something, but Carlitos has gone, had gone into, uh, <laughs> into such a spiral of self-destructiveness that uh, he started stealing things from home. <laughs> she told me that for for a few days they had to eat with their hands at home because he had stolen all the forks and knives and sold them to get somewhere. <laughs> Fucking Carlitos, man. <laughs> well, of course, needless to say, he stole the TV, he stole the VCR, he stole everything from his house to sell for heroin. So they, she had managed to send him off to Portugal to a relative there who helped him out. And uh, that's what I knew from her. But then from friends of mine, the same people who told me about Luis. Well, he, I heard that he was living on the streets and that eventually he died of AIDS. A heroin overdose, but he had also AIDS. Gonzalo, that's the happy side of the story. Well, Gonzalo, as far as I know... He's a very happy man. Uh, he's a truck driver in Norway. And he's doing fine. He's doing fine. So, Susanna died also. Not long after that evening. I never knew exactly how or why. So I'm not going to say her. But she was also an extraordinary girl. So I know it's not a good, uh, happy story that I'm telling this, but this is uh, extraordinary people who have come across my life. And I think um, Luis and both Carlitos, because I have a story with Carlitos. Too. We became really, really good friends for a while. Really, really good friends. Close, very close friends for a while. So I, I remember him with fondness. And... Uh, somehow regretfulness because he had such a bright future in parachuting man he was amazing he was uh, amazing and uh, drugs fucked him all up uh, who else did i forget in this story am i missing anyone no gonzalo happily truck driving in norway luis dead carlitos dead susana dead probably 80 percent of the people in that room that night are dead also I know that they're dead because uh, uh, Pedro Chaka Chaka Tadinho yeah so at least four or five people in that room that night are dead didn't mean to sound sad sorry so had a weird life okay guys this is uh, extraordinary people no pain no Spain this is Daniel signing off. Have a great day, guys.